0: Thank you for listening to another message from New Sound Church and our lead pastor, Josh Monty. For more information about us, you can check out our website at newsound.church or you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We want to thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Share your story with us at story at Enjoy the message. Amen, amen, amen. So listen, we're in this series um that we called selfie and and really here's the underlying concept how 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 do you live a jesus-centered life in a selfie-centered world i mean the fact is we're all selfish you right now if i took a photo of this room you would judge the quality of that photo by one thing and one thing only how you looked in that photo everybody else can look all janky and you know their eyes were kind of and they're making that face like where they were all like in the middle of a word like and you're, you're like, that picture's the man. i got to get it framed. I look so amazing. And that's the, really the way we live life at every level. Like, we are the center of the world. And, 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 and I think, quite honestly, it's a pretty empty way to live. But I have struggled with it my whole life. I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really even telling you in this series, get on my level. Because, really, I find myself, even as I preach these things, like, going, oh, man. God, like, God, don't make me live it. Yeah. You know? Right? It's hard. It's hard because we're just self centered and we're self focused. And in the first week, we've been looking at the life of this guy named Jacob and we said, God, I need you to help me um, and, and, and begin to acknowledge who I really am. In the church, we like to put on masks, and in the business world, we'll put on masks, and in our families and in the community, like we got it all together. But inside, we're insecure, we have a lot of fear. We struggle with our past, we're worried about our future, there's just a lot of things that we're struggling, but we know how to put it all together because we want to make sure that everybody knows that we're doing okay. And we found out in the life of Jacob, who was probably the best in the world at living two separate lives, that when you acknowledge your real name, God can give you a new one. That when you acknowledge who you really are, like there's not a blessing that can come from God for the person that you pretend to be. He has a blessing for actually for you, and he wants to to bless you, but he can't bless who you're pretending to be. And then we said in the second week that I won't exchange beans for birthright. Like there was a moment where Esau traded the birthright of the firstborn son, which was incredibly powerful in that day, he traded it for a bowl of bean soup. And the fact that he would trade that for a bowl of bean soup, we go, don't trade what, I'm not going to trade what I want most for what I want right now. We're going to have more discipline than that. We're going to choose to put off what I want right now for what I want more than anything in the world. He wasn't able to do that. And then we said, integrity is an inward thing that has to have an outward result. And in week three, we said, it's not just about what we say. It's got to start on the inside. Because if integrity starts on the outside, then it's all about making sure the world knows that we're doing a good job. But when integrity starts on the inside, it's, it's all about just the thing that God's doing on the inside of us just making its way out into the world that we live in. And so we said that the antidote to selfishness and this self-centered thing is a life that's just generous. It's a life that gives away time and gives away resources and gives away your gifts and your talent. Like that, that life... Keeps the focus kind of off of us. Instead of a life that's all about acquisition, it's a life lived best lived giving away. Just, just giving and being generous. But today, as we've, been, we've taken three weeks and we've looked at the life of, the, of a guy named Jacob, I want to now continue the story with a guy by the name of Joseph. Joseph was his son. In fact, he had multiple sons and we see that the sins of the father kind of became the sins of the son and that these guys that had seen a dad for years make himself the main focus of life they didn't have any other way to live their life than making sure that what they wanted always reigned supreme and so as we continue in the story, it said Joseph's brothers saw him coming. He was the baby brother. They recognized him in the distance, and as he approached, they made plans to kill him. They wanted to kill him for one reason and one reason only. He had dreams about doing great things in the world, and they hated him for it. They hated him. In fact, we, we've said it here before, but people dissatisfied with their place in this life. Will always try and put you in yours. They 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 hated the fact that he wanted to do something great. In fact, they they hated him so much that now they've planned to kill the guy. Here comes the dreamer. I wonder who would say that about you or about me. Remember when we were kids, we had dreams? We had dreams. Like we wanted to do great, like we wanted to be an astronaut, we wanted to be a hero. We wanted to be a Batman. Like we just like there was stuff. That you thought, man, wouldn't it be great? I, I think I, I could make a difference in the world. And then somehow, life just begins to happen. And life, I think, has been designed to choke out the dream. But I need you to know that if, for, the, for, for the believer in God, if you are still here on this side of the dirt, you have the right, and I would even say it in this way, you have the responsibility to dream. I wonder if when people see you coming, if they would ever say, here comes the dreamer. So let's kill him. Let's throw him into one of these cisterns. And we can tell our father that a wild animal has eaten him. And so they get into this whole big plan about what they're going to do with, his, uh, with this guy. And so Reuben says, hey, let's, just, let's not kill him. Let's throw him in a pit. And we'll throw him in the pit. And then Reuben had this plan all along that I'll just sneak back in later and save him. But Reuben leaves, they throw him in a pit, and by the time Reuben gets back, they have sold Joseph into slavery, and he's gone. And then they take this cloak that he had been given, this multicolored coat, and they began to rip it up, and the brothers killed a young goat, and they dipped Joseph's robe in the blood... And they sent the beautiful robe to their father with this message. Look what we found. Doesn't this robe belong to your son? You notice how they didn't even call him their brother? Your son. That guy. Their father recognized it immediately. Yes, it's my son's robe. A a wild animal must have eaten him. Joseph has clearly been torn to pieces. As we look at Jacob's life, for the hundred years before this moment, Jacob had been stealing the birthright of his brother, lying to his father, ripping his family to pieces. And now J- Jacob believes his legacy, Joseph, has been torn to pieces. It's no coincidence that the thing that he sowed into his family for years is now the thing that he's reaping. And Jacob tore his clothes. It was a sign of mourning in that time. And he ripped, he ripped his clothes and he dressed himself in burlap and he mourned deeply for his son for a long time. It hurt him. And look at this. His family all tried to comfort him. No, they didn't. All they had to do was go, okay, 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 my bad. Okay, he's not dead. We sold him into slavery, but if you'll give me 20 bucks for gas money, I'll run down to Egypt real quick. I'll bring him right back. No harm, no foul. That's on us. Not cool. April Fool's Pop. Like, but they're giving him this fake consolation. Like, oh, Dad, it'll be okay. I'm still here right? Everybody's got that sibling, right? It's okay, dad. I'm still here. He's like, I don't want you. I want Joseph. He said, I will go to my grave mourning my son. Can you imagine their selfishness? That they were willing to watch their dad mourn in such a devastated way that he said, I will mourn this moment until I die. And they wouldn't relieve him of that pain. With one sentence. The selfishness. It's not a coincidence that you see that kind of selfishness pop up in his family. It was the same selfishness that Jacob had himself for years and years and years and years. And you can't sow in selfishness like that for that many years and not reap that in your life. And meanwhile, the Midianite traders that they had sold him to arrived in Egypt, and they sold Joseph to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh. And it would be a couple of decades before Jacob would learn the truth that his son was still alive, and before their family would be reunited and made whole again. It's not a coincidence. It's an eerily similar amount of time From the time he stole the birthright to where he met Esau again 21 years later to where his son was taken from him and they wouldn't be reunited for 21 years. Now what does that mean? I'm not saying to you today that if you've made mistakes now your kids are all going to be sold off. Um, You're not that lucky today. It's not going to happen. They're still your kids, you're going to have to take care of them when this is over. But what I am telling you is, I believe over and over and over, there are things that we are inheriting from our yesterday that we are carrying with us into our tomorrow, and I believe that it's tying us up and robbing you of your greatest potential. So the first thing that you're going to have to do, and we've been saying it for weeks, is you're going to have to be honest about who you actually are. Not the person that you're pretending to be, but be honest about who you actually are. When I acknowledge my real name, God can give me a new one. We said that the antidote to selfishness is going to be generosity. I'm going to have to understand, like, my life isn't about taking for me. My life is about living a legacy and making something outlive me. And then integrity, we said, is an inward decision that must have an outward result. So if we were to put all of that together, we would maybe say it in this way. When I know who God says that I am, and let me say this, if you don't believe in God today, I think you have a responsibility to just go do some homework. Just go figure it out. We bought a house this past year, and we walked through that house like four times. Then we paid somebody a ton of money to inspect that house and search in the attic and, and search uh, Uh, check the foundation and and walk the yard and, and, and and they look through the whole place and I paid somebody a ton of money to go do all of that homework for a place that I knew I would only live at best, at best I could live for 50 years, at best but yet when it comes to forever we won't do any homework it just doesn't seem to me like it makes sense in my mind that we just think it's all going to work itself out, and I've actually been with people in the last moment of their life many, many, many times, and I've had them pull me close, and in the final breath, you know what they've never said? I wish I would have got the boat. <laughs> I sold. My caterpillar stock. Too soon. Ugh. Like nobody's ever said that. Like nobody's ever said that. In the final moments, I have had grown men pull me in and say, Tell me that it's real. Tell me that the lights don't just get shut out in a minute and that it's all just gone. Tell me that I'll see my wife again. Tell me that I'll see my kids again. And I would ask you this question. If you're going to put your faith in God at the end and hope that we're not just worm food, why not go ahead and put your trust in Him in the middle when you have a chance to actually do something? That'll make a difference in this life. Yeah. I've never had somebody pull me in and say, I just need it. Granite. Countertops ugh. But I've had people say, tell me about your life. And they said, I took, I took, I took, and I took. And now the only person sitting here next to this bed is a pastor that I've only ever met on a Sunday. When I know who God says that I am and He has an opinion about that that you should begin to understand. And I live a life that is generous and undivided, whole, integrous. I am living a legacy life. I'm living a life that I can actually now understand that my influence will not end when I end but here's the truth that the longer I wait to live a legacy life the less chance I have to affect it for young people listen you got an opportunity to do something amazing and live a legacy life but let me say this whether you're six or sixty that if you're still here on this side of the dirt It's because God has a legacy that he wants to do in and through you. And so he's not finished with you yet. And there's something he wants to do in and through your life. And so I don't want you to feel the regret of years gone by. I want you to take charge of the ones you've got left. And do something that will make a difference. But the reality is we come into this life with a lot of baggage. I want to get Trenton and uh, Logan, y'all come here real quick. Because the reality is, I mean, I don't know what your background is. I, I, like, some of you didn't grow up in church. Some of you came in with all kinds of spiritual wounds, emotional wounds, uh, just things that you've carried your entire life. And so, this is my past. It's rugged and handsome. <laughs> and this is my future. It's tired. <laughs> with long hair. So the reality is, I don't know what your situation is, but let me tell you about the life of Jacob. So Jacob, he comes into this life, and he realizes, like, man, i got all kinds of baggage. And you may not know the story of his grandfather, but his grandfather was notorious for not trusting God. Now, God used him greatly. I mean, God told him, I'm going to give you descendants that will outnumber the." The stars in the sky, but he said, yeah, God, okay, that's all fine and good, but I'm going to take matters into my own hands if you don't mind. And then you look at the life of Jacob and you realize, I was firm in holding on to my own life. He was constantly trying to take matters into his own hands. For some of you, you come from an emotional legacy where, you know, we're going to, You know, men, we're never going to ever tell each other how we actually feel, and we're going to raise sons. that My dad never told me he was proud of me, and so I'm never going to tell you I'm proud of you. And if that's what you need to feel good, then too bad on you. So you just take that, and um, because I never got it, and so you're never going to get it, and so you just need to deal with it. And that's fine, but then we put that on ourselves. And we put taking matters into our own hands and not trusting God into our own selves. And then we... We take this emotional immaturity and the, the, this stunted growth and we take it on ourselves and, and, we, and we put this on like it's some kind of badge of honor that nobody ever told us they were proud of us and so you're never going to get it from me. Our little girls are going around every day wondering if they're beautiful and if they have any value and, because they never heard it from us. And so then we go through life trying to step into our future but we're constantly reminded of our legacy I feel it now as I'm trying to raise a son I've got a daughters and a son and I'm, re- I'm trying everything I can to help them understand you know, so many men I mean gosh we would never tell you that we were proud of you oh gosh to To give my son a hug and a kiss and and tell him that I love him. I'm breaking 10 generations of tradition of you go figure it out on your own. Good luck, boy. The years of always taking matters into our own hands and being super confident about how smart we are. Everybody in my family is an engineer of something. But in saying, God, I, I just trust you. More than I trust my ability. And so God, I can't raise a family without. And we realize that when we get to this place, we're living our whole life and we're trying to move into our future, but we're just repeating everything that was done to us in our past. And I'm asking you today, what would it look like if you unhitched your rope from whatever past you came from And you didn't tie your rope to the worry and the stress of your future. And instead, you trusted, as uh, Psalm 18 says, that the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation and my stronghold. I will call to the Lord who is worthy of praise. And I am saved from my enemies. Look, the cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. And the cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. But in my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. And from his temple, he heard my voice. And he said, I just wonder if instead of stressing every day, About your future, and instead of living our life every day completely shackled to our past, what if you could actually begin the process of tying your rope to the rock? And he looked at Peter and he said, Peter, Petros, on this rock, listen, on this rock, I will build my church. and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And you're carrying around this baggage and we're trying to influence a generation as we carry around this baggage. And I'm telling you today in Jesus name, what if we made the decision, I've carried all of this around long enough, God I am who you say that I am and I'm not carrying around these ropes any more. Okay, Thanks, guys. and I think that's where you've got to get and I think that we're going to have to come to that place where we realize that we're just carrying around a lot of that stuff and I look at it for you and I look at it for me and I go I want to live in freedom and I want a church that lives in freedom but as I look at the life of Jacob I looked at a man that was raised by a a father and a grandfather that insisted on kind of taking matters into their own hands and trusting God kind of only when it suited them, And then he ended up spending his entire life trying to take matters into his own hands. And then he raised sons that were insistent on taking matters into their own hands. Now, before you walk out of here feeling like condemned, I need you to see this now as a beautiful opportunity. This can stop with us. Freedom is a possibility. Like, it's not a pipe dream. And and you don't have to carry those things around with you anymore. And this church exists so that you could have the blessed opportunity to actually walk around in freedom. And we need you free. Because slaves can't free people. Only free people can do that. I see when God took his people out of Egypt, he gave them books and books and books and books and rules and rules and rules. And you look at that now from our perspective and go, man, why is he giving them all these rules? He didn't want them to have any fun. And he knew something that you and I often miss. It wasn't enough to get the people out of Egypt. He had to start to get the Egypt out of them. And they were walking around on their way to a promised place but living every day like they're in hell. And I think that for so many of us, because we're entangled in all of these ropes. You're on your way to heaven. But you're living every day like you're in hell. But, you know better than to ever let anybody know what you're actually going through. And I say death to selfie. This church, it's got to be a legacy church. We've got to make the decision that it's not about us. And that there is a group of people coming up behind us. They're going to be running this country in just a couple of years that weren't alive when 9-11 happened. But let me tell you what's happening to them. Eighty-five percent of youth from Christian homes attending public schools do not have a biblical worldview. 8 million million twenty-somethings who were active churchgoers as teenagers will no longer be active in church by their 30th birthday. Eight million. The National Study of Youth and Religion, the most extensive research on the religious lives of U.S. teenagers to date, said this the majority of teenagers are incredibly inarticulate about their faith and its meaning in their lives. They find it almost impossible to put basic beliefs in words. Teens today are what is known as functional deists. They believe that a God exists, created the world, and set life in motion, but that He only becomes involved with them personally to make their lives happier or to solve their problems. Many teens including conservative Protestants, reject the essential doctrine of salvation by grace. Three out of five believe people can earn a place in heaven if they are generally good or just do enough good things for other people. 85% of the young people that have left high school in the last 25 years have left the church and have not come back. And if and if we don't understand our opportunity now as a legacy church we will let that generation go away but what does that mean for us? how do we even begin to address the issue? how do we even begin to make a difference when 85% are leaving? first off, can I say this? if you're a church person it's in, it's not, it's in it's in first, I think we just gotta understand like Jesus didn't die for your personal preference You're like, oh, I didn't get any amens on that. Oh, Lord, I talk about getting free from ropes and stuff, and everybody's like, oh, hallelujah, preacher. But you say Jesus didn't die for your personal preference. They're like, Ethel, get your purse. That boy don't care about you at all. No, I do. Listen, no, but Jesus didn't die for your personal preference, so we make it all about us, and we pick church like it's a consumer product. But it's it's, it's actually supposed to be a place... Where the sick and the hurting that can, can come and where we can actually make a difference in people's lives But you know what like some of us have quit going to church for a long time And we're just kind of sneaking our way back in and we're just kind of giving it a shot And I don't you feel bad about this, but I want to encourage you in this that like I don't even like the way we do it Like in the t- in the sense of a personal preference like I like hymns honestly. I love a organ Oh, Lord Get a big old pipe organ up in here and some handbells Jesus God, if we could get a handbell choir. <laughs> you know. God move, You know how they do that thing where it's like, oh. blomp, And then it's just Holy Ghost. Just, uh... I love it. I love it. Some robes. Hey, you wouldn't believe how good I look in a suit. I'm not just saying that. Ask literally anybody. But, but there's, a whole, there's 85% of a generation that doesn't give a rip about any of that stuff that's leaving and they're not coming back. And we're kind of saying because we refuse to change anything and we punish anybody for ever making any changes, hey, that's fine because my preference is more important than your soul so you can go to hell. And we've just been doing it for years and we have an opportunity to actually just wipe that slate clean and say, whatever it takes short of sin, let's reach this next generation for Jesus. Let's just do whatever it takes. So let's just, we'll change whatever we got to change. We'll, we'll do some electric guitars and all that kind of stuff. And, and we'll like jump, do the jumping ones where they jump. You know, that's why we have the wireless mic so we can jump because the kids like it when you jump and stuff. And like we'll jump and, and we'll get some smoke. I had a guy come to me one Sunday. He came up and he goes, hey, pastor, um, if you need any help, uh, like I think y'all got a short somewhere. Or I, every time I come in here, there's smoke you gonna have like an electrical fire or something in the back I'll look at that if you want me to I'm like no we actually did the smoke on purpose because we're actually trying to be a legacy church we're actually trying to make decisions we're gonna take all this stuff out and we're just gonna do church for people that don't like church and we're gonna try our best to help them figure it out because we need to understand like we we have a legacy that we have an opportunity to be a part of and I want to invite you to go with us on this thing whatever it takes Whatever it takes. Because they matter that much. But I need you to understand personally, you have an emotional legacy that you're going to leave. Look at this verse in Colossians Father, don't provoke your children, lest they become, look at this, discouraged. Lest you take away all their courage. Look at them. Listen, I know that you didn't come from a... Well, in our family, we bottled our emotions down deeply. And then over a few beers at Thanksgiving, we let it all out like good, strong American men. <laughs> That's fine. But, you're, but I want you to look at your grandson, not your son. Because you don't like your son as much as you like your grandson. <laughs> I want you to look at your grandson and decide right now. Just decide. And I want you to look at him and I want you to decide. I'm okay with you never hearing that that your father is proud of you. I want you to look at that little granddaughter and I want you to look at her and go, I'm actually okay with you going out into the world and having to find your identity from other boys because you never hear you're beautiful. I'm okay with that. And I want you to look at them and just say, I'm okay with that. Or... We can say, yeah, it wasn't given to me. And I worked my tail off, and I was successful, and I, had a, I made an impact in the world. And I, might, and I never heard, son, I'm so proud of you. But I'm taking that rope off today, and I'm going to look at the next generation and say, hey, oh, I'm proud of you. You don't know what joy it brings that you're mine and the things that you search your whole life for, you won't search another minute for. Because there's an emotional legacy that I'm going to leave for you that looks like freedom. Oh, come on somebody. What would it look like today to hear those words? What would it look like to say those things? You know we have a social legacy. We have a we have a legacy an opportunity to make a difference eternally in the communities where God has given us influence. And we have that chance. You have a social legacy, but then my favorite, my favorite, this is my favorite, we have a spiritual legacy. And I love this verse John wrote it at the very end of his life. He had seen Jesus do amazing things. He had seen Jesus die. He had seen Jesus get back up. He had watched all of his buddies be killed for their faith. And as an old man, he sat on an island in exile, out in the middle of nowhere, and he wrote these words down. When they asked him, "What is the what is the what would be the joy of your heart?" He said, "Spiritual legacy." I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. That's what I want. But in this life, we'll get distracted. Some people will make a name. When you're focused, because you're, because you're emotionally wounded or all these things, because of that We'll focus just on making a name and so then that means that everybody else is the enemy because I'm the focus And some will focus on making a name I've seen that For years and I see guys get to the end of their life and go. What was the fruit of all of that labor? Who was the most successful business person in 1337? Oh, you don't know Hmm. You know why you don't know it's because history doesn't record that because history doesn't care they just don't care but some people will get past just making a name where everybody else is the enemy some people will make a difference that's what we're trying to do in some ways it's where we... the problem though if you're not careful and I see churches do this all the time. We say, well, I'm going to make a difference. Well, then that means everybody that doesn't do it our way is the enemy. Three songs, a message, small groups. That's not true. We're not the greatest thing. We're just the latest thing. Lord, in our life, just watch. The pendulum will swing all the way back around, and we'll be doing organs in Sunday school. And I'll be in the, like a five-piece suit. I don't even know what the extra two pieces are. Some people will make a difference. But then there'll be a a group of people, and I want this for you. I want this for your family. I I could expect nothing less from our church. And some people will make history. When you're going to make a name for yourself, everybody that doesn't do it your way is the enemy. When you're going to make a difference, everybody that... Any church that doesn't do it our way is the enemy. But if you're going to make history, if you're actually going to do something to change that 85% of kids that are leaving high school and leaving the church, you realize that the devil of hell is the enemy. And that anybody that's trying to help us make a difference in this world is a friend, even if it looks a little different. I want so badly for you to take the ropes off of yesterday and quit trying to shackle the generations that are coming behind us with baggage that you and I could make the choice today to cut free of I'm not not downplaying the hurt or the things that you've experienced in this life I'm not and Lord knows I understand it But today when I go home and I look at Jacob, and Lily, and Annabelle, and little Rosie, I will not shackle them with the ropes of my yesterday, so that they'll have to carry it into their tomorrow, and as a church. We will not carry the ropes of our yesterday into the potential of our tomorrow. And you go, Josh, how in the world do I ever start over? It's what Christianity is actually about. That it would be about the moment where you say, Jesus, I acknowledge that there is sin in my life. I've tried it my way. In fact, maybe for some of you today, you realize I spent most of my life trying to make a name for me. But God, I recognize today I want to leave a legacy, a spiritual legacy for my family. You say, I acknowledge the sin that's in my life. And Jesus, I don't have all the answers to all the questions, but I believe that you died for me to pay for those sins. And today I want to live for you. You say, Well, I don't know all the answers, I don't know how it all works that doesn't stop you from using your cell phone every day you say God I wouldn't it be amazing if today you said I actually like the idea of serving a God that's bigger than my brain can get around if you can fit your mind all the way around God You're not a man made in his image. You've created a God made in yours. And I don't want to serve that God because that sounds like a very dysfunctional God. And today you just say, God, I acknowledge. Today I believe. Today I commit my life. I give you everything I got. Thank you for listening. We would love to have you join us at New Sound for one of our weekend experiences. Check out our website for times and directions at newsound.church. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Please share your story with us at story at